for Radio 1 91FM podcast. Aotearoa's much-loved portly parrot, the kakapo, has faced a significant threat of extinction for the past 70 years due to habitat loss, predation from invasive pests like cats, stoats and rats, and human activity. But today, it seems that there is some good news. The most recent breeding season has officially wrapped up, and the kakapo population numbers are the highest they've been in 50 years, with now 252 living individuals. It's all thanks to a team of scientists, rangers, and volunteers who compose the Kakapo Recovery Program. We are now joined by Kakapo Ranger Theo Thompson to talk about the latest breeding season, what the new numbers mean for the overall population, and what challenges Kakapo face in the long term. Kia ora, Theo. How's it going? Kia ora. Kia ora, Zach. Now, I believe you're, you're, you're coming to us live from a, predator, a, a predator-free island, correct? Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm on the beach on Whenua Hau. Um, which is a small predator-free island off the coast of Rakiura, and it's um, it's long been a stronghold for kakapo down here. Oh, very awesome, very awesome. Now, the most recent kakapo breeding season has just ended, and the kakapo population uh, has gone from 197 to 252 birds, an increase of almost, what, 25%. Uh, how significant is the spike in population numbers? Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, it's huge, and it's been a really successful breeding season that I think the team and everybody that's involved in or that has been involved in it they're all we're all very proud of the effort um, it's the second biggest breeding season on record the previous um, the previous biggest was the last one in 2019 um, in 2019 we 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 double clutched a lot of the kakapo so we sent them back to nest for a second time and that really boosted the numbers up um, this season, we didn't do that um, due to COVID and, and kind of and staffing. But even still, we had a very, very successful season and really good numbers. Um, I think we're on 55 chicks, which is huge. Yeah. That's amazing. So what made this breeding season different to other breeding seasons where you might not have been so successful? Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a combination of factors. Kakapo, um, as many of your listeners will know, breeds in response to the rimu mast and other masting species. So if the trees are having a really big mast year, then you have high success rates because you have lots of food for the mums to feed on and it triggers more of the females to breed. So that's one factor. And then probably another factor is, you know, the more... The, the more breeding successful breeding seasons we have, the more adult females we have coming online. So um, we had a few, well, quite a few females this year that were first-time mums. Um, they either they hatched in 2014 or 2016, and this is their first time breeding. So just the number of adult females really brings that up. Um, and then a third factor is we had quite good fertility. Um, so for one reason or another, we're still getting to understand it, but kakapo do not, um, they have a lot of kind of unviable eggs, um, whether that's truly that they're infertile or whether they die really young, we're not entirely sure, um, but this season we had really, really good survivorship, so we had really good egg survivorship, um, and then we had really good chick survivorship as well. Oh, kapai, kapai. Now, kakapo only mate uh, once every two to five years, which must slow down the breeding program. Um, how can you tell when a breeding season is about to take place, and what do you do to prepare for it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does slow things down. <laughs> it does, um, and it's one of the tricky parts of managing kakapo. I guess, um, so that comes back to what I 
said just before is that they they are breeding in response to resources, which is often emu trees, and traditionally it would have been a lot of other masting species. So they they queue into the trees, and they can see that the trees are about to have a big year, um, and that's that's what they kind of queue into and what triggers them. So we do the same. We look at the trees. So every couple of um, or about twice a year, we we go and we we. We have a look at the trees and we count how much um, how much fruit is on the tree. And over the years, we've built up a bit of a picture that when we're seeing a certain kind of threshold of fruit on the trees, we can expect a breeding season. Um, and it even gets more kind of <laughs> complex than that in that we start predicting how many of the females we think will breed given how much fruit are on the trees. So this previous breeding season was kind of off the charts with the amount of fruit that we were seeing on the trees. It was possibly the highest we've seen in in the 20, 30 years that we've been monitoring. And previously, the 2019 breeding season was also really, really high. Um, What we do to prepare for it, it's quite a long long lead-in time. We get about a year's notice um, of there being a breeding season. So the team team does a lot to prepare. They... um, they hire new staff, train new staff, get all the staff out onto the islands. We get a lot of the, we feed a lot of the kakapo, just a little bit of supplementary food to make sure they're in primo condition for the breeding season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's a huge logistical effort um, preparing for the season. I bet, I bet. Now, what are the new kakapo numbers looking like in terms of, um, you know, male, female? Um, they, they're, they're good. Yep. They're, they're really good. I guess, yeah, I guess it's the most important thing for the kakapo population at the moment is those, is those mature adult females. So, well, one of the most important things, there are many, many factors, but, um, because of the way kakapo breed with the lick, the licking system, one, one male kakapo can be the father of many nests. So, um, in that sense, it, having more adult females really gives the population the capacity to grow and grow fast. Um, so more females, more chicks. Whereas the males, you, you need mature males, but you don't need nearly as many of them. Right. Um, what would some of the dominant threats be to kakapo numbers at the moment? Yeah. So at the moment, all all of the kakapo, all of the individual kakapo are on... Um, well, sanctuary islands, predator-free islands, where they're totally safe from um, mammalian predators like rats, stoats, and cats. Um, and they don't have to compete with some of the other introduced browsers like possums or, or deer for their food sources. Um, so pretty much no no real threats there on those predator-free islands, which just sounds pretty good. No. No, that's right. Not currently. Yeah, no. and that and that's just a product of them being at such low numbers as they have been for the last twenty years, and just really, really protecting them with everything, all the resources that we've got. Yeah. Oh, kapai. But one problem with the small population size is that you've got to be awfully careful about which parrots you pair to, I guess, maximise the genetic availability of you know these parrots. There's only about two hundred fifty of them around. Uh, h- how do you? What what does the process of mate selection look like to ensure uh, you know strong gen- genetic diversity? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we don't get a lot of say in it um, because kakapo don't pair up like we expect a lot of birds to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the females will choose the males that they want to mate with on any given breeding season. Sometimes that's the same male as breed- previous ones. Sometimes it's a different one. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of tools that we really use. Um, the biggest one is that we tailor which individuals in the kakapo population are on which islands. So we may separate fathers and daughters from different islands so that so that they would never breed together. Or if we have one kakapo that has had lots of offspring with um, these females over here, we would move him to another island where he can't, um, where he will mate with, with some other females and therefore, you know, create a much more diverse um, population. Right, right. I guess that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to, um, yeah, yeah. F- familial kakapo breeding, that is a big problem there. Um, I read that the end goal, or one of the end goals of the kakapo recovery program is to, you know, establish around 150 uh, adult females. Do you have a time frame on when this will be, you know, accomplished or when that can be reached? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a tricky question. That's a really tricky question. I mean, we've we've had we've had three we've had three really successful breeding seasons in a row now over the space of, you know, that takes nearly 10 years. And we have with the Kakapo population like you said earlier is at an all-time, well, not an all-time high, but a, you know, a recent high and that's really really good. Obviously now we've got to see that these chicks from this year mature and become adults. Um, and things like that, and then another couple of breeding seasons' time, we might, you know, we might be looking, we might be looking at those kind of numbers. Um, I think the goalposts will shift a little bit, you know, as well. It depends what um, we all, as New Zealanders, want from our native species. Um, but a really, a really, a, a goal that the Kakapo team are really looking forward to seeing in the future is. Um, predatory rakiura and the potential for putting kakapo back on the rakiura where most of our individuals came from. That sounds like a fantastic goal. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Theo. Not a problem. Hey, see you later. See you later. There was Theo Thompson, a kakapo ranger from the Kakapo Recovery Program, speaking on the recent kakapo breeding season and how successful it is. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.